Uh, resilience. I uh, don't know when to stop. I just keep going, even if, uh, if even if I'm failing. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we've got a guest who I have had the privilege of getting to know over the last couple of years. We actually met through a mastermind group um, with Chris Harder, and I've just uh, really grown to appreciate and enjoy uh, the time that I've gotten to spend with Brandon Thompson over the last couple of years. And Brandon's story is fascinating. He's just, um, you know, him and his wife, uh, Tiffany, just amazing humans, amazing people. Our journeys are somewhat similar too. Um, you know, married early and their, their kids are a little further along in life. And so, uh, I think you're just going to really appreciate his journey and his story. So Brandon, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So Brandon, let's jump into the four questions. So if you could narrow it down to the one thing that you think has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Uh, resilience. I uh, don't know when to stop. I just keep going, even if uh, if even if I'm failing. Is there? I, I like that. Um, I, I I actually was just uh, I was just on a podcast and they were asking me some something similar. So when do you know when do you know when to stop? Oh, that's a trick question. I mean, as long as it doesn't affect my family and uh, my health, nor my wealth then I won't. I'll just keep on going if I feel like I can grow from it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a thing uh, where I uh, tell all of my peers and, and, and my students, it's okay to fail as long as you're failing forwards and not backwards. You never want to fail backwards. You, if you fail, just fail forward. Always pick up and learn something and then keep continuing on. And that's going to help you have success. Nice. I like it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Yeah. Uh, business wise, I don't even know if it was a you know, I, 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 I have a, I had a setback in 2008 where I lost everything. I was a paper millionaire, a uh, multimillionaire, had a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank, just did not know how to manage money at 27 years old. And I lost everything. Uh, you know, I grew up in a trailer park and, and starting, uh, you know, to make money in my early twenties, the mid twenties, the late twenties and watch it all go away, much like a Dave Ramsey story. And, um, it, it it was it was rough and up going into poverty again for the first or for the second time and having to rent a property from a friend and and it's kind of like a slap in the face but i learned what i i learned what i should have from the process and since then we've been building and getting back on top which i'm really thankful and grateful for that's amazing i love it what is the single piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most oh man um that's a that's an interesting question it's your world. Do you? Mm. I love it. I tell everybody that now. Is that is that your philosophy? Yeah, man. I I uh, probably over the last t- couple of years, specifically, you know, I've I've watched social media. You know, other people, you know, that I respect, and uh, you know, other people blow up, and you know, I got really frustrated. I'm like, I don't know what I want, and I guess it's shown. It's, it's shown to the public. And even though I tried to do a lot of different things and be influential, uh, I wasn't that influential because I was trying to be an influencer. 
Um, but I realized that I just don't want to be an influencer. I want to be an influential. And uh, yeah, that, that allowed me to uh, redirect. And I think that's got me to where I'm, I'm growing now and, and we're helping a lot of people. So I don't, I don't know if that answered the question, but um, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. No, I love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Who had the greatest impact on your life? I'll be honest with you. Two people. Um, my grandfather and uh, he passed away when I was, tw- when I was 15 and he told me, he's, I, I asked him, I said, you know, he, he, they were poor. My grandmother and my grandfather were poor too. Uh, I said, granddad, don't you, uh, or his name was Papa to me. So Papa, don't you, uh, don't, don't you wish you had more? And he looked at me in his workshop way back then. He said, Hey, um, this is probably a couple of years before he passed away. Uh, he said, why would I want more? I've got everything I want. I've got food on my, my belly. I've got enough money to take care of my family. And, you know, you guys are what's most important. This time right here is uh, right now is what's most important. And that, that, that stuck with me. I, I tell that story from time to time. The other person was uh, my, my former business partner. He, he pushed me to grow, man. I, I, like I said, I was really frustrated. I've, I've even had those conversations with you in the past. But I realized that he pushed me to grow, and I probably did the same with him. Maybe, maybe I'm taking credit, but um, yeah, man, I I'm very grateful for that time. It really made me better at sales, better at negotiation, and uh, you know, better able to compose myself. Uh, if, if you get to know me, I'm I'm a little bit of a procrastinator, but I'm I'm one of those guys that puts everything off at the end. And then I, I really work my best when my back is up against the wall. Mm. But he's like more and more prepared. He wants to be Johnny on the spot and make sure everything's done then there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Just breathe, man, breathe. <laughs> so, you know, that 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 really helped me specifically when we uh, split up. I'm like, well, shit, it's just me now. I got to do something. So uh, it, it, he really helped me out with that. And, uh, you know, I, I can't go joking and 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 being crazy anymore. You know, because I don't have that that forefront right there working with me on that side. I've got to be the backbone and the person in the forefront and, and make sure shit gets done. Wow. I'm curious. Um, do you. Do you ever do you ever think that because I so here here's let me give you some context. So I was just having this conversation earlier today and me and my first business partner, we were actually. Uh, we were somewhat toxic for each other, but we were really great business partners as well. And I'm like, yeah. I'm curious here because I'm hearing the same thing. And I've often said this, um, if, you know, of course this was, I sold the business in 2014 and we started it in 2004. So this was quite a while ago, but I've often said, you know, if I had had traction even back then, because I think I'm a visionary, I know I'm a visionary and and I think he's probably an integrator as you know, traction would talk about. So he, he's more of the operations guy, like the backbone. He loves going and getting things done. He's more consistent and I'm more visionary, like, Ooh, let's grow the business and let's open this division and let's do that. And so I've often said, you know, if, if I had had traction and an understanding of how different we were as business partners, yet also when I look backwards, we worked really great together when we stayed out of each other's way. So I'm really curious mm-hmm. Um, when you look back at that partnership and you and I have talked about, um, the partnership, but I've never really heard this version because they're, you know, while it was, while it was challenging, it sounds like you guys were really good for each other. Yeah. I mean, we were, man, we, we worked together too. We made millions of dollars together, um, um, made great monies for our investors. We were a private capital real estate investment fund, um, on singular transactions. We didn't raise money, you know, 
in a pool of money like you do for your businesses. But uh, we had about 40 something investors and, uh, you know, we would switch it on the phone calls and work with the different personalities. We would have great time, you know, golfing and uh, doing the different things that we did, but we worked together well. I think towards, you know, what our frustration was at the end was um, we both wanted to be the visionary. I think, mm. you know, we both were integrators and we we're both visionaries and we always intermingled together correctly, but we just didn't know our identity in the business. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, dude, I could have went another 10 more years if, if we had known that. Um, dude, we're going to meet up tomorrow and have lunch and uh, probably reminisce about the old days. It's been about three years since we've been in business together, but at the same time, uh, you know, you know, he's, we're already talking about some new opportunities together. So I think we both, have grown and matured. Um, I'll be 40 this year. He's probably 44, 45. And uh, yeah, man, I, I'm really excited about it. I think we've both grown in these last three, four years and uh, it's going to be beneficial for us. Yeah, I love it. So take us backwards. So you got married early. You guys have started having kids. Tell me about the journey. Yeah, yeah. And so um, well, I can go way back to high school. I, uh, my wife and I, we dated in high school, 15 and 16 years old, high school sweethearts. Um, so what you do in rural West Georgia is you get married young because you don't know what you want uh, to do in life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we loved each other. We uh, we we <laughs> we got married uh, 19 and 20, and within a year we had a kid. You know, and and I was I've always kind of been in sales and doing something uh, salesy. I I started a a catering business with pizzas, selling out of the back of a truck, driving out to Atlanta and. Um, about an hour away from this local pizzeria that, you know, we knew the owners and we worked out a deal where he would allow us to come. I'll bring, I would bring a team in and we would, allow, and I'm going really deep all of a sudden. <laughs> I just realized, um, yeah, 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 we got married young. Um, we, I started a pizza catering business, realized after a couple of years that that wasn't for me and then got into real estate. I'll, I'll slow down. I'm over here telling the story way too fast and leading away from the question you had, but, uh, I haven't thought about it in a while. It's kind of reminiscing in my I'm, mind. I'm curious. Yeah, go ahead and share it. So yeah, we got married young. My wife worked an administrative uh, job uh, for a metal company. And uh, during that time, I was uh, working, like I said, with a company. Uh, it was it was a Domino's. It was a franchise owner. And uh, then we, we, we bought proper, I mean, properties. We bought pizzas wholesale, <laughs> you know, for like $3 a pizza. We would pay, pay him back um, $3 for, I think it cost him a dollar to make a pizza. I would bring in a team of three or four people. Uh, we would, um, you know, pay him back, uh, the gentleman that owned the franchise, uh, $3 for every pizza we sold. And then we would keep the rest. So we would, uh, me and three or four other guys would split up with several hundred pizzas a day and go into these industrial parks, hitting them right up at, you know, late midday, uh, you know, you know, at lunchtime and then as well as going into like Georgia State's uh, you know, university and, and all these different places. And we were, you know, making hundreds of dollars a week for for the guys that worked for me. And I was making, a, you know, a couple thousand dollars a week as a 20 year old kid. Wow. Um, but what happened was after a couple of years of that, I realized I was running into people I knew that I went to high school with. And they were almost out of college and I had walked away from it and dropped out of college actually after year one. Because uh, we got married and I didn't know what I wanted to do, really. Uh, and uh, I, I got to the point where I was I was actually I got to the point where where I was embarrassed and I I just realized this wasn't for me. So my wife and I, during the process, 
had bought a home. We qualified for our first home. And then I saw a real estate agent do what they did, which to me looked like very little. And I said, well, if this agent can make $4,000 off of a home that I bought for a commission, I'm like, that's life-changing money for me. So they can do it. I can do it better, most likely. And that led me to go get my real estate license, uh, become an agent as a tradesperson. And I got connected with a broker who was flipping houses and they showed me the ropes, got me the inside track with a couple of local commercial bankers. And the rest was history. I started, you know, flipping houses from the age of, I guess, 22. That's cool. You know, and I actually appreciate you continuing on with the domino story because it, uh, you know, for a second, it you might've felt like it didn't matter, but it, I'm always curious. I, you know, just because obviously you had this entrepreneurial drive. And when you said wholesaling pizzas, um, I love that you just even bring, you know, the real estate vernacular back to pizzas. I mean, so it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So I'm curious, like, I I met you on the backside of, of um, you know, after you left the business with your partner and all of that, and you were just kind of reinventing yourself. So tell me, the business that you and your partner built together, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me what it looked like at its peak and, and uh, you know, how you got from being a real estate agent to making these connections to what that business looked like. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go a little bit before the partnership. So I started um, as a real estate agent. I started flipping houses, as, as we've already talked about. And I went to a church where a lot of people were interested in flipping houses. Uh, but, th- but this was before social media. This is pre-2008. Um, heck, this might have been before 2005. So it was pre-social media. It was pre-HDTV uh, shows. And uh, nobody really knew what flipping houses was. The first time I ever heard of flipping houses, I called one of my best friends up. said, hey, man, I think you and I should get into flipping houses. He's like, what's that? I said, I don't know. But I think, uh, I, I don't know, but it sounds really cool. I hear that people are making a lot of money doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, we got to the point where I got really, really... Um, invested with my church and a lot of people were interested in what I did. And they asked me if I could teach them how to do the same thing. And I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a, I'm a real estate agent. I can help you buy the properties. Um, if you want to fix them up, you can fix them up with my contractors or I will remodel them for you and I'll charge a fee. So I made a prop, I made a property commission. I made a remodeling fee. And then I also told them, I said, Hey, if you want to sell them, I'll sell it and make a, a commission for selling the property for you. As well as if if you want to keep it and rent it out, I'll, I don't manage, but we'll do the rental commission for you. We'll find you a renter and we'll take a commission. And then if that's not, uh, if, if, if you want to get it off the commercial loan, the construction lender that I hook you up with, by the way, I'm also a loan officer at this point. So I said, hey, we'll, we'll uh, do the loan for you and put you on a permanent mortgage. So we set up a one-stop shop after a period of a couple of years. Um, and I, I was making money like hand over fist back in my early 20s doing this. And, uh, it was, it was really, really fun, man. Um, but through that process, uh, Will, my, my old business partner and I, um, my former business partner and I, we got to the point where we started becoming friends, but yeah, yeah, man. I mean, we got to the point where he and I started working really well together. I was helping him find houses and doing this and that. And he was one of my 12 or 15 investors that I was working with. And I said, Hey man, I'm hearing about this thing called wholesaling. I, I think, uh, you know, we can, we can wholesale some properties together. I'm getting them all the time, like pocket listings. And, you know, there's starting to be some foreclosures coming on. This is like in 2007, uh, before 2008. I said, well, we try to wholesale a couple of these. So we did. We wholesale a couple of properties. And 2008 hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost everything. He almost lost everything. Um, 
he actually held on other than a double lung collapse. He was in the hospital, which was really, um, you know, really bad. I mean, we had started doing business together. We weren't an LLC and an and entity, you know, under, under a partnership yet, but we're, we're JV and a lot together. Um, 2008 came, he, he almost lost everything. He had a double lung collapse. I did lose everything. Poverty became real, had, you know, a few million dollar net worth, but I had all of my mortgage, uh, mortgages and, and everything leveraged out to like 95%, maybe even a hundred percent that they would allow that back in the day for, um, for investment purposes. And they don't do that anymore, but, uh, a lot of those were no doc loans. I just didn't qualify. And I had like 10 to 15% interest rates, mm. uh, which sounds really high in today's climate. But, um, through that process, I, I, I did lose everything. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was it. So during that process, I realized, man, I just, I can't, I'm not making the money to support my family. I went from, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to maybe $30,000 at best in that first mm. year after bankruptcy. And, um, it, it was, it was really painful and, and, and I didn't really know how I was gonna take care of my kids. So I said, well, I'm going to get back into real estate, even though I don't want to, but this time I'm going to do it on my own. I've, I've been you know licensed for seven years. You only need three years to be a broker. So I'm going to start my own brokerage up and I'm going to be on my own broker. And there's these foreclosures all over the place right now. I'm going to go ahead and apply with all the banks to become a foreclosure uh, uh, REO agent. Uh, so, we, so I did. I started a company called Swift Change Real Estate and uh, started getting tons and tons of listings. Next thing you know, we're making 100000 plus a year. My wife and I are working our asses off uh, around the clock. You know, we got, our second at, we got our second baby at this point. She's less than a year old. And, uh, you know, we're working all the time. But we're getting good listings. And then all of a sudden, the mega, the the... the 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 amazing properties start coming in. They're flooding in. So we get this 25-townhome complex. And the 25-townhome complex, the banks were asking me to do a comparable uh, you know, analysis or a BPO, broker priced opinion. And we shot that back to them. And they said, hey, you know, we understand this is worth $20,000 a unit apiece. This property is probably worth a quarter million apiece now. I wish I had bought them and held them. But <laughs> um they were $20,000 a piece at this point. They said, Hey, we want you to list them for 15,000 a piece. I'm like, Oh, really? I'm like, that's interesting. I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll start working through the process, which pre-listing is about a seven to 10 day process. So I called Will up, said, Hey buddy, um, you and I have stayed in touch. We go to church together. You know, we, you know, we played around well together, wholesaling properties, uh, before everybody lost everything. I've got this awesome town hall package. Do you think you and I can, you know, do a little boiler room and start calling everybody we knew some of those investors back from uh, 2000 before 2008 and see if they're still in business. And if they are, I think we can sell these. They're asking 15 grand. I think I can negotiate them down to 12,000 and we can resell them for 20, 25, maybe. I said, what do you think about that? He's like, dude, let's do it. And we were just, um, we, neither one of us had any money. So we, uh, we took an, we took an LLC. We just created together made an offer uh, before it hit the market as a pocket listing. Basically, yeah, it's, we'll take it. It was $12,000 a unit. And uh, um, we started pitching it to to investors. Um, problem is we had one week to come up with $10,000 in earnest money. Mm. And we didn't have that. You know, we didn't even have that together combined yeah. at that time. So we didn't have the money and we had to figure it out. How do we come up with this non-refundable earnest money? Um, well, we didn't know. So we just started just playing blindly. We'll go through the process. Let's go ahead and, and, and call all these investors up. Let's uh, see what we can do. 
So what we did was we had all of those contracted within three or four days over a long open house. And these properties never hit the market. We had them contracting our, our uh, you know, A to B contract. We set up a B to C contract and did a double transaction funding. And uh, um, But through that process, we still didn't have the $10,000. So we charged every one of those investors across the 25 townhomes $1,000 in non-refundable earnest money. And we realized that worst case scenario, if the shit hits the fan, you know, $25,000 goes to the bank, or I mean, it goes to us, we got to come up with $10,000 to get the bank. Worst case scenario, we split $15,000, which was a lot of money for us back then. It'd be $7,500 a piece for three or four days worth of work if people walk. Uh, they didn't walk. We set up a double back-to-back uh, uh, -back closing with the local attorney's office. And we had everybody come in at the time, you know, one week later, one week later from getting this pocket listing, everybody was cash buyers because rich people have money, even in the worst climates, in like a 2008, 2009 climate, they got money, they can spend cash. Um, so we set it up where they come in and sign. Um, we signed on our end. After they left, we signed our purchase and then they just did the flip flop and, and cashed everybody out. And my business partner and I walked away with $150,000 post-recession. We're like, damn, that's nice. We we split it like $75,000 a piece. And uh, those listings kept coming. So we did it over and over and over again uh, until they didn't come anymore, which was like two or three years later. In that process, we met a lot of investors who were affluent and they started buying properties from us. So I read a, I read a magazine, uh, which was Think Realty Magazine. I know that's a long story, but um, there was a magazine called Think Realty Magazine that eventually uh, originally was Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine. And I was reading through this and I was reading how people were setting up these, these different kind of uh, businesses where they were doing um, uh, like security deeds and promissory notes or trust deeds, whatever you guys call them and wherever you guys live. But um, they would set this up and the investors will put up 100% of the capital and then uh, the owners, of the LLCs would be 50-50 partners. They would do all the work. The wealthy people would put up the capital and uh, we could split the profits. So what we did was we started a buy and hold program where in the magazines, people were you know paying 7% pref rate or or interest on the money. And um, and then they would split everything left over 50-50. Hmm. I'm like, well, okay. We If they're offering 7%, I said, well, we can offer 15%. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, are you serious? Uh, thinking about this in my head right now. I'm like, I was naive. We, after a year of doing 15% preferred rate uh, interest and, and, and buying, acquiring a hundred, after a few years of doing this, acquiring a hundred rental properties long-term, we realized we need to start flipping guys. You know, we need to start flipping because there's more money to be made. The economy's coming back and things like that. And they're happy to get their 15%. We finally had to call all of our investors up and said, Hey, look, 15%. The rents aren't high. We're breaking even. We're doing all this work. Can we sell these properties? Um, so there's two, there's two stories here, and I'm going to end with this in about two minutes. But uh, we end up selling all of our properties between 2015 uh, to 2018 just to get out of them. Mm -hmm. You think with 100 properties, uh, you know, we've been really, really wealthy, but we had we were paying all of our cash flow back to our investors, not making a dime. And then uh, the economy hadn't come back, uh, you know, all the way like it is in 2022 here. So basically he walked away with a million dollars. I walked away with a million dollars through that process of owning a hundred properties. But we learned about communication with investors. We learned about uh, 
JVs and, and working with these guys and these different personalities. And it was awesome. But during the process, they realized, hey, these guys are freaking good at their word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll go into flipping homes with them. So we set up 50-50 uh, ventures. So they put up all the capital. And this was really before hard money started coming at, uh, coming back. Um, we started flipping houses, 50-50 profits with these investors. And my my business partner and I were making half million plus, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. And uh just crushing it, man. But uh I think I think at, at some point, you know, we, as we were getting national notoriety, uh, especially with these magazine publications, um, they they started knocking on our doors. We we're doing conferences, we we're talking with people, and uh it brought in a lot of investors, and we just didn't know how to grow. We didn't go to conferences, we didn't like so into our own self, other than me reading a bunch of books. And, uh, you know, we were in, in, both of us are in the church a lot and he would read books too, but we didn't really get into financial IQ. We didn't really get into, um, reading the book, like traction and stuff like that. So we were kind of have a, like, a we didn't have a good business plan. And, and between the two of us, we weren't great leaders yet, even though we were good leaders, we weren't great leaders yet. And if we had just taken the time during that process to get better at our skill set of leading, as well as tightening our systems down, I think we could have crushed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we had a big business. We were actually, we were actually one of the largest uh, companies in the Southeast flipping at the time between 2009 to 2018. Mm. And uh, to, to end the story, uh, we, we, had, uh, we, we had flipped over 1,500 homes together. Wow. And and we had a hundred long term rentals that we sold, residential properties. Some of them were commercial, and but most of them were residential properties. And even though we didn't get extremely rich together, we learned so much together. And and it was publicized. I I've got my face on a national magazine that's still here uh, from all those years ago, and it's just fun. It, it was it, it's something that I'm very grateful for. And looking back, and glad it happened for us. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've, I've seen this progression, you know, so many times and, um, I'm, I'm just curious of your, your thoughts on it after having, you know, experienced that because there's, there's a lot of people that, um, get into real estate investing as, as a passive investment type of opportunity, right? Which I did originally too. I had a business and I was investing in real estate as a passive, just more from a cash flow perspective, but there's a big difference between, you know, passively investing in real estate and then building a business like what you guys built. And even at a smaller scale, you guys were really good at, you know, uh, buying houses, holding them, you got to a hundred, but then it sounds like when you really started, I mean, to flip a hundred, like 1500 homes, that's a big business with a lot of inner workings. And I've seen this transition a lot from people that want to get into real estate investing, thinking that it's easy which maybe it is at a small level, but when you really start right. getting into it, it's a business just like anything else, right? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that it sounds so it like that's definitely a business. Yeah. Is that where you guys ran into a lot of your troubles? Is just... No. Where do we run into our troubles? I think we ran into our troubles with, so basically we had one investor that really, we were really outperforming all of our other investors and he he owned a uh, a LASIK eye clinic, and he came to us. He's like, Brandon, Will, you guys are are, are making a, a big killing for me. I I got all these other doctors that are friends of uh, of mine, and I want to pull a fund together and lend to you guys, and we'll still do the fifty fifty, but we'll we'll go in and go get debt and expand from you know a couple million dollars I've got with you personally to 
10, $20 million, you know, whatever the dollar was back then. I don't even remember what the conversation was, to be honest, but like, what would it take for you guys to work with us 50? I mean, uh, work with us, only us, and you get rid of all your other investors. Well, we're like, we put a price tag on it. Will and I thought about it hard. <clears throat> we put a price tag on it. And we said, hey, this is all the money that we make with uh, each of us working together. And this is what our salaries are for our employees. It's going to have to be something significantly over this to make it worth our time because we're putting all our eggs in one basket. And um, we will have to walk away from our other investors. And that's scary. He's like, name the price. So we did. We named the price. And it was like, it's like $600,000 a piece or so a year. So we did that. We we phased out all of our other investors. This was the linear, I guess, backpedaling or, or digression of our business. We went all eggs in one basket. And there was like a mini bubble in, 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 um, 2016 to no, I mean, I'm sorry, 2017 and 2018. I don't know. It's like a correction, like interest rates were going up and the, the flips were stalling out at the time. And, and uh, we just went all in with this investor and we had longer days on market. Uh, you know, and it, it was, he was getting pissy and his doctors were being upset with him. We actually lost money on a couple of properties and it was, we're like, look, it's not us. We've done everything we know how to do. We put all the logistics and I mean, all the statistics and the demographics with, with all these flips, we always gave them paperwork. We gave them a business plan. We said, this is what we're going to do. And we always did it. And to be honest with you, um, his rate of return significantly lowered, yeah. but it was, it was his overhead. He brought in an in-house team and he wasn't, he thought he was going to get rich for, uh, uh, from year one and then year two and then keep on getting rich. But he didn't realize that he had to build out the system and build, you know, when you're building a business, it's like you're laboring like a like a woman labors uh, for nine months before the birth. And a lot of times, most businesses won't make money until two to five years. Mm. He was expecting to make money in two months because he was already doing so well with his own private money. But the problem was he brought in all his debt uh, with his investors pulling and he was borrowing hard money and then giving it to us. Um, and I don't know what all the mechanics was behind the business. But then we, he had to offset our salaries too. And then my team's salaries and we were on a profit sharing plan as well, but he bought us. And in two years, he fired us. Uh, it, to be honest with you, he, he fired us because he wasn't making what he wanted because he didn't realize he had to build a business mm -hmm. that would win. Uh, and it had to take time and he had to labor through that before the birth. And, and it, it was, it really stinks because we put all our eggs in one basket and then he, he basically said, he's not renewing our contract. We had an attorney draw this magnificent contract that he upheld to, but when it was time for renewal, he, he didn't want to work with us anymore. So we had to go call all of our other investors and only like eight to 10 of them wanted to work with us anymore. They'd already moved on after a year and a half or whatever. And at that point, Will started flipping on his, on the side. I started flipping on the side. We'd made, we, we probably had a couple million dollars a, a piece in the bank at that point. Like, why do we need each other in this failing business? So that was the point, uh, you know, so we, we started doing other things and we had a business that was, com we were competing against personally. So we had our own individual businesses and then we had a business uh, that were doing the same thing. That was the ultimate disagreement. Like, or you, you, you are doing stuff that's competing and hurting the business and you're, and I was too. And 
and we just could not get past it. So I think that we got to the point where we had to to walk away. Like I don't, I don't even know what the question was anymore. <laughs> going in a spiral, but uh, yeah. um, it, was, um, it was it was definitely funny, man. It was funny with that us. Maybe we were greedy. We we're like we just want it easy, and this guy is offering this price, and he's willing to take it. I mean, he's I mean he's he's asking us what our price is, and we gave him our price, and he's willing to take it. Maybe we got greedy. I don't know. So let's talk about your current portfolio and what you're working on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, short term rentals. I I quit flipping about six months ago, and uh, we're, we're actually selling our last flip. I've held forever for whatever reason. Uh, next week, but we are my wife and I have 25 rentals. They're producing significant uh, return on investments, and they're all short term rentals. I mean, we, you know, we've got. 13 that are on the market. We've got a bunch under construction right now. So I'm basically flipping, but I'm keeping them in, in a sense. So I brought my team to the nearest vacation market that's near me, uh, you know, living out here in Atlanta, which is the North Georgia mountains. And I moved my team to the mountains and we've been remodeling these properties and putting them in, into the system and integrating what I've been doing on the side as a side hustle for the last seven years. Uh, but really significantly started making money about two years ago. And then last year when I realized that I was exhausted on flipping, you know, just, it's just a, like you said, it's a job and it's a lot of work. I realized, dang, my, my short-term rentals are actually starting to make some more, you know, making, making some significant income. So I told my wife, I said, I'm just going to stop. I won't stop flipping. Even if we have to live out of our, our, our savings for the next six, eight, 12 months, let me build this portfolio that can pull in a million dollars a year passive income. And I'm pretty sure based on my numbers, I can do that. So we went on a spending spree. Uh, yeah, we went on a spending spree buying properties up in the last six to seven months that were distressed, you know, utilized all my tactics to find distressed properties in Atlanta, but we pushed them into North Georgia specifically. And uh, we've been buying them up and then we got properties that were in 50 cents on the dollar and we're putting our remodel to them and we're launching them one after one. Uh, we just launched one. We're launching one a week for the next six weeks. Hmm. And um, it, it, it's going great. So I, I realized I really love the hospitality business. I wish I had went full time sooner. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was just something that just came as a natural progression. I just kind of that kind of like Matthew McConaughey says in, in Green Lights. It's kind of like an, well, I don't know if he says it like this, but I had some green lights. It was just like they just, stuff just started happening. And I was realizing I was having fun as we're going and looking at our cabins while we're remodeling and, and going to South Carolina outside of Hilton Head and, and remodeling over there and realize that this is something I enjoy. I like travel. We like international travel, definitely, definitely. But I still like domestic travel and I like vacation markets and I love good food, good scenery, uh, walkable destinations to you know, get some exercise. Like, why don't we just make this a business? So we did, like I said. And, and uh, we kind of like I was talking about the doctor. Um, we, we, I realized that it could take me a year to really propel to make the money that I want. And I was okay with that. I realized that I've got to labor through this and I've been in a hustle mode for several months, uh, redirecting because I didn't own a business before. And I was really, really frustrated over the last, uh, you know, I was really frustrated last summer. I didn't own a business, even though I'm a highly paid, uh, sole proprietor or, or business, business owner. It wasn't a real business. I had to go repeat. I had I was a I was a highly paid self-employed person. And I I realized that the day I stopped working, the day I don't make any money, minus a couple short-term rentals I had at the time. 
So I started everything all over again. I started four businesses. We've got a, uh, the last six months, we started branding our, our uh, short-term rentals as a hospitality chain, uh, Southern Charm Vacay. I started fivestarsdrsuccess.com, which is an education company, teach people to do what I've been doing for several years now, but really just going all in over the last six months. And um, uh, that's a funny story too. I know we're running out of time, but we also are, thanks to you, you hooked uh, hooked me up with uh, a capital, I mean, an, an attorney group that's helping us with the syndication. We're taking a slow, kind of getting through all the entities, but I think by the summer, we're, we're going to launch our luxury brand. And I started a real estate brokerage that specializes in short-term rentals. So um, I'll wind down with this. I, you know, whether people are on here and thinking it's woo-woo or not, but I literally had like uh, a voice come to me in November when I was already kind of like going after this, but I still kind of like don't know which way to go, but I've never heard the audible voice of God. And um, I felt like I did. I, I, I was in a deep sleep. And if you ever heard a metal baseball bat, a metal baseball bat makes that clanging noise, clack, clack, whatever it is. Well, in my dream that woke me up, it was a red balloon. I need to research what a red balloon means, but a red balloon was smacking me in the head, but it had that metal baseball bat Mm. noise. And it woke me up from a deep sleep. I thought I was having a heart attack. I was freaking out and I woke my (laughs) wife up. And uh, I said, Tiff, I just keep hearing this voice saying, go all in, go all in. And uh, I don't know what it means. So I took a week, two weeks to kind of pray about it and meditate on it. And I just feel like the Lord told me to go all in. And we were already doing a process and I was already kind of thinking about it. But let's go all in on building businesses. Let's put the reserves, even if we have to lose money in the first several months or even a year to get to the point where we can have seven figure. uh, We'll we'll invest for our freedom, kind of like your podcast. We'll we'll invest in our freedom because I'm tired of being a a highly paid uh, individual that has to keep on repeating over and over. I want systems. I want mm-hmm. people. I want a team that are really building something. So we've been in hustle mode ever since before. I mean, before then, but really getting clarity in November and forward. And, and it's just like God told me to go all in and we're really starting to see, I would say by March, we're going to be very, very profitable. And it just took many, many months of very hard work. Um, but I'm very grateful and thankful again. Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. I love it. Um, One of I heard this years ago, and I've mentioned it, you know, many times on the podcast. But I was at a, I was at a a business planning seminar, and one of the speakers of this consulting company that I was working with said, you know, if your business isn't helping you achieve your personal goals, you just own a job, and your your energy has even shifted completely from you know the the stories in the past to what you're working on now. And I'm curious if I could just unpack one thing within that because obviously. You know, when most people think about short-term rentals, you go out, you buy a property, you, you know, put it on Airbnb, you either self-manage or you put it over to a management company, whatever. But what I heard you say is that you're taking your existing skill sets and team. And so you're, I know there's not a right or wrong, but I'm curious just to make sure that I, so you're buying undervalued properties at a certain price. I heard you say 50 cents on the dollar, and then you're putting money into them, getting them up to whatever standard you guys have for, um, vacation rentals in, in the North Georgia mountains, when you do all that, are you, then are you refinancing them and, and, and having permanent debt on them? Yeah. 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 So we're, so I'll either buy cash, um, or I'll borrow from private capital investors at 10% and two points. Maybe I got one guy that'll give me 8% and no points, but, 
uh, we'll buy, uh, we'll rehab them, refinance, you know, and then pay or rent them. out, refinance and repeat the whole birth thing. Um, so we do that. Yeah. I mean, we do that with short-term rentals. I mean, it's, I don't, I'm okay with buying property, uh, full price. If the earnings, the revenue, it's a business. When you, I don't look at uh, short-term rentals as like a long-term rental. Um, you, you know, I, I look at these as a business and, and it's got to make a certain cash on cash term investment cap rate. Uh, and we run all these different spreadsheets and we make sure that what we're buying makes sense. And, and we want extremely high earnings and the best deals are mostly going to be uh, fixed wrappers. And um, that's, we're going to do the same thing with our luxury brand. We are, we've been looking in Marco Island. I, I missed out on a property that I thought was awesome. It's like a $3 million purchase, but we were going to put a couple hundred thousand dollars to it. And I think I could push it to about $4 million. And it had the warm, most wonderful bay view and, and a really great area of Marco Island in Florida. Um, but we're going to do this full time. Like this is, this is what we do. But yeah, yeah. That's, so we do do that. We, we, I will buy. I will buy full price though. I I have bought a couple recently just because I I, I got in at the right time. I knew I knew that those areas were going to blow up. I bought. I, I'm heavily concentrating in it. Yeah, I don't mind saying the city Bluffton, South Carolina, which is just outside of Hilton Head. It is an extremely affluent market, and there's a lot of wealth over there, obviously. Uh, uh, but you have the May River and they built a new promenade out there over the last few years. And I own a property out there, fell in love with it, um, uh, traveling to Hilton Head from Savannah one time uh, for a couple of short term rentals. And I said, this prop, this this area is going to explode. So I bought one full price at that time. And I just bought another one full price because I've seen the growth and it's expanding. But it's uh, you, you've just got to really just trust your gut instinct. You can look, you can look at numbers, but uh, if you're a value add person like me, and most of the time, you're going to go with the value add and the numbers, and they have to make sense. But you also got to trust your gut. If you know in your heart something is going to grow, but the numbers do make sense, then I'm going to buy it too. And I'm so glad I did. You know, we we bought a few of these already, full price, and our net worth is, you know, just exploded in the last year or two because of it. Obviously, because of real estate prices as well. But uh, we bought in the right destinations, yeah, at the right time. So, in your uh, five star success program. Do you teach people both methods or is it more focused on, uh, do you teach people to buy undervalued properties and go through that whole process or is it more just the traditional model? No, it's, so you've got a little bit of, you got beginners and you got, you've got people who are, you know, experts that are coming in, uh, to my Facebook group and, um, you know, listen to my podcast and stuff like that. But, so we teach on all of that in my Facebook group. We, uh, you know, we're, we're doing, we're launching workshops that'll be month in and month out, but they're going to be really, really tactical workshops and we're going to do them in person. Uh, this is the first place I've, I've told anybody because we're launching it on February 14th for our first ones in March. But one day is going to be a beginner's uh, workshop. And then the other day we're, we're bringing 20 people. The other day will be a, 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 a um, experienced person's workshop. And we're going to teach systems and, and stuff like that. But yes, in the beginners, we're going to teach about value adds and how to find properties. Um, you know, it's it's very, very easy. I mean, yes, there's competition on the market. But if you learn how to think like somebody that is more like a wholesaler or a flipper, compare what I've done for almost 20 years to short-term rentals, I'm bold enough to say like Robert Allen said in multiple streams of income, uh, somebody interviewed him one time uh, and, and said, hey, you can drop me off. He told him, you can drop me off anywhere in the U.S. and, and I'll find a property undervalued and I'll get a contract on it. 
with no money in my pocket. I'll do it with no money down. Um, I'm, I'm okay with saying you can drop me in any vacation market. Give me, give me two weeks. Don't give me a week. I don't want that pressure, but I will find a property and I'll get it in a contract and it'll be a great short-term rental. As long as it's regulated and it's regulated, uh, you know, uh, it is a positive regulation for short-term rental. Don't put me in a banned area. Obviously that's not going to work, but yeah, yeah, you can do that. And, and I can show people how to do that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Where can people find you um, or, you know, your uh, five-star success program? Yeah, yeah. Uh, FiveStarSTRSuccess.com. That has the links to our podcast, Five Star STR Success, uh, as well as my Instagram at Brandon G. Thompson. And we also have a video masterclass uh, that's perfect for beginners, but also for people that want to scale that are just trying to learn how to do it after buying one or maybe two. And we're going to keep on bringing on more and more education and content and building courses and, and stuff like that as well. So Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, brother, and uh, all the insight and wisdom. So I uh, look forward to uh, watching the journey. And I know that uh, the short-term rental market is exciting and um, glad that somebody's here to show us the way. So appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.